Welcome to the Interviews Podcast. Welcome back, Interisti, to another episode of the Interviews podcast. We are here for the post-match report of Bologna Inter, which finished one nothing to the hosts at the Renato Dallara. Um, a goal by Ricardo Orsolini in the let me just check the minute here. Um, in the seventy-sixth minute, so Inter loses today pick up zero points and the gap to the leaders Napoli is now 18 a lot to be said um a lot to be said about this match um unfortunately this is going to be our our, probably our first really negative episode about the club that we love because there's not much positive to get into um today was a rough one there's there's no doubt about it there's a lot of different angles that we can go ahead and um and talk about but why don't we start off with um what you thought of the performance today yeah i mean when when you look at the game as a whole and how the team performed in every aspect it was subpar i don't know if that's on inzaghi if you want to put it only on the players but it was a tough watch, to be honest, and uh, you know I, I'm not going to sit here and blame the pitch, not going to sit here and blame the weather, because this has been a theme throughout the entire season. We seem to get amped up for the big matches, and then we have to play squads that are considered lesser than us. Um, we don't show up, and it's been it's been very disappointing, and and I think that's been really the difference between us and Napoli, to be quite honest. You know when. when you know, I could I can complain on on Twitter and whatever, and, and get it under you know, <laughs> Napoli fan skin with, with with my takes. But it to, to be honest, Napoli shows up game in and game out. It doesn't matter who they're going up against; they are ready to play. And Inzaghi, for whatever reason, can't seem to get this squad amped up for anyone um, that is really considered of a lesser lesser degree. Hats off to Thiago Mota and, and getting Bologna to to really work hard and he got this win i feel like they really outplayed us the entire game they deserve the win if i'm being quite honest and um yeah very disappointing to to, to say the least yeah um yeah uh, you know there was at least one interista that that had a win today and that's tiago mota but listen it's not a um title challenging squad um that's just it's just a fact like you said you know, Napoli has showed up week in and week out, and we have not. And ultimately, that's the difference when it comes to a squad that can that can win the title, right? We're talking about thirty-eight games um, over you know a, a long period of months, where the number one factor, the number one driver behind being able to to win a scudetto, is your consistency, and that's that's what we've seen from their sides you know in the recent past that have been able to take the title it's you know Conte's team um, was revved up for every single game 
uh, Mourinho's squads were revved up for every single game. So when you look at what's happened to us this season, it's really not a mystery um, as to why we find ourselves in the place that we find ourselves, which is 18, a staggering 18 points off the pace. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I would say that I'm a more positive fan. Um, I would put myself in the optimistic um, side of fandom when it comes to Inter, but um, you know, I think at this point it's it's only reasonable to say that that the Scudetto is, is over, um, and we are now finding ourselves in a uneasy position where there's no doubt in my mind that we are a top four side in in Italy. Um, and you see it in a game, you know, in a head-to-head against Napoli. It's on our day. I, I believe that we are the best team in, it, in Italy. Um, you know, again, people can say whatever they want to say. You know, I'm a homer. All credit to, to Napoli. On our day, head-to-head, I believe that we are the best team in Italy. But that's not enough to win you titles. Um, and I think that we're, we're sitting here today in a position to say that it's, you know, it's over. Um, we are we are fighting for top four. Um, and I say the word uneasy because despite the fact that we are one of the best teams in Italy and, and one of the best teams in Europe, um, we're, we're, we find ourselves in a position where when you see performances like this, how how good can you feel about we're definitely going to secure that top four spot? Right. These are this is not a, a one off kind of game. In fact, this is a very Serie A Italian kind of game on a tough pitch away from home, smaller side, hostile crowd. This is a game that we are going to encounter plenty more throughout the course of the season. And we need to make changes in terms of how we approach these these matches. Um, so, yeah. very very disappointing and I think um, the first sort of place for us to go in the aftermath here is with the coach Um, Inzaghi has has a lot to answer for um, as far as today goes and and I've been a supporter of Inzaghi and I am a supporter of Inzaghi and I'll you know explain explain why but in terms of his tactical approach to the game in terms of the lineup that he went with today you know what sort of grade are you giving Inzaghi after today's performance? Uh, Inzaghi, I'm giving a D plus, and I'm I'm being completely honest. When when you look at the weather and you look at the the pitch and you know how the conditions are going to be, what's most important in games like this is to make sure you have technicians on the field. He went with our two worst wing backs, and I understand DiMarco was was a little fatigued, so fine, I'm I'm okay with Gozens there. And and you know what? To be fair, he was probably one of the better performers today. But Dumfries is an absolute liability. You know, I I, I tweeted out that he's as useless as the G in lasagna, and it's it, the guy offers nothing. He offers nothing going forward. He no, offers nothing in defense. You know, I almost fell out of my chair when the announcer said that once he gets going, he's a rocket. And I I couldn't believe that because he has no pace. The biggest myth in football to me is that Dumfries has pace. Not playing Barella from the start, I don't understand. You know, you saw how Mkhitaryan was against Porto. I don't think he deserved to start this game. That doesn't mean I don't think he deserves to start ever again. But given off the last match, I feel like he should not have been starting from the the beginning. 
And with DeVry, I mean, I am one, the last two years I have not been a fan of his. I have not seen anything that even resembles the player who won best defender of the year, and I believe that was in the 2019 season. The guy's a shell of himself, and, you know, I was very against the Acerpi shining, and thank goodness we did pick him up because had we not, we would be in a much worse situation than we currently are. I feel like he got every every call wrong from the get-go Inzaghi, and, you know, it wasn't until the substitution that you started to see somewhat life, but even Dzeko, you know, he was misplaying passes. He looked slow off the ball as well, which I guess could be understood because, of, of course, he's 37, brainy pitch. It's hard to really get going on there. Um, the only thing that I really think that he got right and the only reason that I gave him a D plus was that he brought on Carboni instead of Gagliardini late in the game. And the little bit I saw from him, the little glimpses, you know, where he was able to hold off his man. I mean, granted, he's a 17 year old, you know, like there's going to be growing pains with him. But he did show glimpses of a player that there is potential there. Um, so I'm happy that he did at least get to see some minutes and, and get some some legs under him. But everything else was just atrocious in my opinion yeah yeah this is where this is really the meat of the episode this is this is um where there is the most to break down so you know let's break it down team selection off the bat um coming into this game with recent injuries to both DiMarco and um and Skriniar Correa obviously still out nursing um an injury for several several weeks um so, you know, starting off with the goalkeeper, Onana comes back in for Andanovic, you know, no problems there. Um, and I thought he he played fairly well. I know there were a few nervy moments, but you can can really chalk that up to the pitch. Um, and he's a player that likes to play with his feet. He's a goalkeeper. It takes a second to sort of adjust to being able to play on that pitch. Fine. The rest of the defense, um, I think Damian in the right center back position, right call, right? If Skriniar is going to be out, um, the alternative is is D'Ambrosio, who I'm okay with, you know, playing in a game like today. This actually it probably is the kind of game that suits him best, um, you know, from a, a standpoint of how can he impact a game, and that's with his, you know, sort of physicality, being able to win duels, um, but he is not... You know, whenever you you put your your players on the pitch, you're hoping that uh, from the starting lineup, you're hoping you know you can see some 90 minute performances. And I don't think that D'Ambrosio is a, a 90 minute player at this point in his career. So Darmian is the right call. And I also I'm a fan of Darmian in that spot just from his you know natural propensity to get forward um, and be a part of the the attack from that spot. So fine for me. The next. Piece is Devray for Acerbi. So you're coming off a, a midweek um, Champions League game. Acerbi played, you know, played a great game, um, and he uh, he's he's getting a rest. I guess um, I guess this is uh, you know a sort of an injury risk situation. Um, so he's not on the pitch. Devray playing as poorly as he played today is not. You know, I don't know how much of that you can put on Inzaghi. You know, at this point in his career, it seems like Devray struggles with um, the rotation, uh, you know, playing once every few matches. Um, and he had a tough time getting into it. And you're, you know, you're absolutely right that he is a shell of himself um, at this point in his career. Uh, but still, for a player at his level, um, you know, he's an international 
player, uh, you know, doesn't play much for the Dutch team, but he is he is one of the premier players at his position or was supposed to be. And he just lays an egg, right? I think Inzaghi actually should be, you know, praised for making the right decision in terms of taking him off at halftime. I know he had the card, and I know that that is what um, his go-to is, is to take players off that, that have cards. But... Um, he uh, he made the right call there going to Achebe in the second half. And then you look at the left side of the defense, uh, there is Bastoni there. Which, you know, I don't think anybody's going to complain, and, and that's where he should be. So in terms of the defensive selection, off the bat, you, you don't, you don't kill Inzaghi for it because you're you're hoping that De Vrij can perform in a game against against Bologna and he just wasn't able to uh, to bring it. Um, so there's that. Guys, Johnny had to jump off here for a second. Uh, so you're just going to be dealing with me here for a little bit. Then let's look at the... Oh, there he is. Um, just went through, uh, you know, the the team selection at the back, um, and was just talking about you can't kill Inzaghi for starting Devray because you would expect, you know, if you can give Acerbi a rest, you would expect a player of Devray's quality to be able to come in um, and handle that type of situation. And then Bastoni, no complaints. So actually, the praise goes to Inzaghi for subbing off. Um, Devray at the appropriate time at halftime, you know, on the card and bringing a Chadby in there. So you're not going to kill him for his defensive selection. Anything that you wanted to to add there, just from from the back three? No, I think you pretty much nailed it on the head there. Um, especially with being able to be proactive and make the change at halftime, I think that definitely makes a huge difference. So, okay, yeah, definitely. That's... So then let's take a look at. You know, the rest of the selections. In terms of the wingbacks, like we mentioned, DiMarco is out. So Gosens has to start. Gosens played well in his sub-appearance against Porto. And, and he actually was one of our, if not our best performer on the pitch today. Um, I thought it was strange that the majority of our attacking intent in the second half was down Darmian's flank and not Gosens, right? He, for as well as he was playing it seemed like they weren't looking to his side of the field and looking to get him involved. There was a, you know, a one-two with Acerbi um, that, you know, released Acerbi for a good cross that Dzeko put right on the keeper. Um, there were a couple times where Gosens found himself in the area, laid off passes to, to Hakan, where Gosens played well today, but it seemed like they, they weren't looking on his side as much as they should have been. Yeah, um... It seems that they even it, even if you know Dumfries wasn't starting or it was Di Marco, they tend to like to go on the down the right side. I don't know if that's because that gets Barella more involved in the game that allows him to be you know maybe more dictating of of the tempo and pace in the match. I mean, it seems when you know when you have Di Marco and Mikitari on the left, they tend to still you know want to push it on the right side. So maybe that's just part of the game plan. I don't know. I, I still feel like you you really need to be using your best players in those moments to be able to get, you know, balls in or, or, or and, and, and Gozins even offers more pace. That's at least that's my opinion. You know, some may, may yeah. argue otherwise, but I feel like he has more pace there. Yeah. He's not the best at crossing. He's more of a, of a back post merchant where he gets in on the end of a ball and is able to put it in. But I still feel like he was offering more in attack moving forward. You know, he was definitely better defensively. Um, he made more timely tackles and, and I just, yeah, I don't understand the, love affair they have with with pursuing Dumfries as the as the point of attack for some reason 
Yeah, you know, it was strange, and especially in a match like this where you're sort of devoid of ideas. Um, you think that switching to the left side, switching your play down the left flank where, you know, your best performer is having himself a game, that that would have been, you know, a, a way for them to try to find an opening in this match. Um, and then don't freeze on the other end. In terms of the selection from the start, you know, when you have Darmian playing as that right center back, which I think that, you know, we agree was the right call, Dumfries is your only option there. Um, this was a game where he, you know, he could have taken advantage. I know, you know, in our little halftime Twitter space, Nazario mentioned um, that, you know, he doesn't have the the technical ability to be able to, to impose his game on a pitch like this, which, you know, Fair play to to that notion, but at the same time, with Darmian, you know, making his forays forward, I, I mentioned, you know, that that should push Dumfries into a more comfortable, or you would think a more comfortable scenario, being higher up the pitch and being able to sort of um, play a, a more attacking role and not have to worry too much about his defensive responsibilities. And what you saw, especially in that first half, was. You know, he, he became a back pass merchant. Um, and and in that first half, I thought he and Mikitarian were zeros in terms of our offensive phase of play, just not offering anything of importance of um, of attacking intent. Uh, and I was really disappointed with how Dumfries played. I, I thought he actually did a few good things um, in the second half. But again, from the perspective of let's, you know, are, are we killing Inzaghi for the selection? Your choices are, are limited. Um, you know, unless you wanted to start Belanova, which in a game like this away from home uh, on a pitch like that, I understand with wanting to go with the player with, a, you know, slightly more experience. So, um that's that from the perspective of selecting the wingbacks and then the midfield that he went with today. Um, Barella sat, right? So Brozo comes in from minute one. He goes back to his regista role. Hakan and Mikatarian. Am I killing Inzaghi for sitting Barella? Uh, you know, tough, tough 90 minutes midweek. You want to get him a little bit of rest. The problem with going with that selection, where this is really where I have, you know, my first sort of beef with the starting 11 from Inzaghi is this game is not made for a Mikitarian Hakan Metzala um, role, right? You know, Barella is the sort of uh, terrier on the field. Um, that you kind of need in games like this where the emphasis on winning those second balls, the emphasis on winning those 50-50 tackles early in the game to show your intent is really important in a game like this. You don't want Bologna settling in, feeling like they, they've got it going. Um, you know, th this is a player where you could have started, he played, you know, essentially almost 45 minutes. You could have given him the first half, imposed yourself in the game, and then as you took a lead, taking Barella off later in the game for Mikitarian, who um, has been struggling as of late, might have been the move. Yeah, no, um, for me, it's, <clears throat> I, I mean, I get, get resting him. To an extent, but I feel like when you have a game like this against Bologna squad, who has been a bit of a roadblock for you in the past, and I'm not just thinking last season, but even 
even two years ago with with <coughs> with Conte, they, you know, they were a difficult get. Knowing their standings too, I mean, they they are competing for a European position, so they do want to win. This this game is just as important to them. I don't understand how you don't play Barella. You know, I would much rather have rested him against Lecce. That's a game at home. You know, you can take a little bit more risks at home. You know your record at home, so it's not that big of a uh, of a risk, in my opinion, to to have played him for the beginning, especially given the performance that Mkhitaryan had. You know, against Porto. Listen, do I do I understand it? Yes. Do I agree with it? No. And you know, as soon as you saw the way things were going, I mean, we were fortunate that Dominguez was offside on that goal. Yeah. You know, in the first half with Musa Barrow. I feel like if that would have happened, what do you do then? Do you scramble? Do you panic? Do you think, you know, there's a way to regroup it before halftime? Do you just stick with what do you got? <clears throat> I mean, it's he was never gonna win no matter like, I mean, I feel like he would have been faulted for for something either way. I mean yeah. I'm not again his biggest defender. I feel like he is a good cup manager and he's good in knockout rounds and stuff like that when he has to yep. prepare for a one-off but he just Inzaghi to me does not have the the grinta really to, to withstand it over a 38 game season yeah that's just how and I that, feel. I, that is the biggest criticism of of him and you know barring a Radu uh, brain fart you know he would have dispelled that notion last season but this season has not been has been more of um, what the sort of public sentiment around his managerial managerial ability in a Scudetto race um, has looked like. So Lukaku Lautaro up top, no one's going to kill him for that. So it seems like, you know, we're, we're sort of in agreement that off the bat, the tactical selection really, you know, Barella for Mkhitaryan would have been the, the one move that um, you would have hoped he would have made. Now looking at his management of the game, um, that first half, the approach is obviously wrong from a mental and, you know, uh, uh, um, what do you call it? Like your, your, almost your passion for the game is a little bit, a little bit off, right? So what do you do as a manager going into the second half? It's zero, zero away from home in a game that, you know, both teams need to win the first uh, the first move he made was that Chadby for De Vrij, which I think, again, both in agreement, that was the right call. Um, you're hoping that that was made because of, of uh, an intent to change what was going on in the match as opposed to taking off a player with a yellow card. But, you know, we, we can give him the benefit of the doubt there. Um, and then there were a couple more substitutions where I have questions. Um I definitely have questions. So let's take a look at what came next. The first double sub was Jekyll and Barella, who I think Barella we, we were asking for, came in for Mkhitaryan, who was very ineffective. So good move there. And then Jekyll for Lukaku. I, you know, I tweeted it out. I didn't love the move at the time. Um, and I... I don't know why that move was made in that moment. A couple reasons that I, I really have a problem with doing it in that spot is A, if Lukaku is okay and he's not he's not hurt, he needs more than 65 minutes right now. That's just, he needs to be playing. Um, he had a couple of good opportunities and he needs more chances to impact the game for us. And you're putting in Dzeko in a spot where... You only have three forwards. 
you just put on the only forward you had, right? Carboni is is a, a youngster um, that doesn't, you know, you wouldn't say that he's Serie A caliber match winner at this point in time in his career. You only have three forwards, and at the, let me just confirm here, at the 64th minute, you just threw on your only other attacking option. I hated that move at the time. In hindsight, it was the wrong move. Um, Jekyll came on and immediately gave away a couple uh, passes. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on on that move? You know what, to be honest, I, I don't think Lukaku has more than, than 60, 70 minutes in his legs right now. Yeah, in hindsight, it wasn't the right call, and maybe you could have probably thrown all three forwards on at the same time and seen if you could have, you know, put some kind of pressure and enforce maybe, a, you know, an ugly goal to, to equalize or, or really maybe, I, I guess, at that point, take the lead. But I just don't think he has it in him right now, Lukaku. You know, uh, Marota said before the Porto game that he has to lose some weight. And, I mean, obviously, that's, that's, that's evident. He doesn't look like the same player that we had in, in the title-winning season. So I think that, yeah, they just, you know, maybe he's being a little overly cautious with him. You know, he's coming back from injury too. You don't want, really want to risk him possibly picking up a knock. And then now you're down to two strikers uh, for the rest of the year. So, I mean, not that it would who knows what could have happened. But so at the moment, it didn't bother me. Yes, Lukaku was playing, I thought, okay. You know, his hold-up play was, was all right. He was able to outmuscle some people in certain ways. But I didn't really feel like he was really making the impact that we would have hoped, you know, in some ways. And, you know, we saw how he came off against Porto, or he came on against Porto, I should say, and he was able to have an immediate impact there. It, yeah. it felt like he was he was lagging here a little bit. And I don't know if that's because of, of, of the pitch or, or something going on with him personally, you know, with it in his head. But, yeah, I, I, I don't really hate the move and... I mean, obviously, yeah, Jekyll was just not really doing much himself when he came on. He was giving the ball away. He really wasn't having any good uh, working uh, relationship with Lautaro in those moments. So, yeah, I mean, I could have gone either way with it, to be honest. I, you know, I don't know how much of a factor the condition of the pitch and the fear of re-injury played into the substitution. I just, at the time, I felt like that is a sub that you could have made a little bit later on, you know, with 65 minutes left, there, 65 minutes in the game, there's plenty of time left to um, for Lukaku to, to, you know, potentially continue to impact the game. So I didn't love that. And then eventually uh, Dumfries gets his uh, yellow, which means he comes off for D'Ambrosio, pushes Darmian out to the right. I don't think anyone has problems with Dumfries coming off at that point in time in the game. Um, and shortly thereafter, in the 72nd uh, so, sorry, 76th minute, Ricardo Rossolini um, gets gets a one-on-one with Onana. Not not much of anything Onana can do at that point. Rossolini, we know, is a player that is on fire. The goal came from a mistake, uh, and we got hit very quickly on the counter. Um, you know, there was no one in the vicinity of Rossolini to even be able to close him down. And this feels like a goal that has been scored against Inter a lot. Not only this season, but throughout the you know my entire uh, fandom of this team, 
in a game like this where things are tough and uh, you know we need people to step up, it's like one of those goals that makes you just throw up your hands. Like, is that for real? Did that really just happen? And that's how I felt in the moment. Like, of of course that goal was coming, right? Of course the best, most informed player on their team is going to get a one-on-one opportunity with our goalkeeper. And, you know, nothing that, that we can do in that situation. It just felt like a... It felt like something that was building and coming. Um, and, you know, in classic fashion, we, we concede and go down one nothing. Yeah. Uh, when you look at that play and you, you see, you know, the mistake made in the midfield, the great pass played into Orsolini. I don't know if what could have been done. I mean, uh, Bastoni was way up the pitch, so it was Gozins kind of filling that space. Yeah. He was a little slow to react. Acerbi plays him on side by just being slow. Um, and then nobody can close him out. Or Salini's, you know, he's got good pace, and he was able to to finish his chance, uh, you know, beautifully in that moment. I, I don't fault Onana for not making the save there. Uh, you know, he did come out. He tried to narrow the angle and make it difficult for him, and he just kind of went over his shoulder, which – you know, if you look at Onana's positioning, it almost looked like he was expecting to pick one of the corners, and and yeah, so I mean, he just you know goes up and around him, kind of. Yeah, I mean, great, great, great play for them, and great finish by Orsolini. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It, it, it like you said, it is something that we've seen time and time again with this club. You could feel it building. I feel like a, a lot of games that I watched recently, you can kind of feel like when when it's nil nil at, at this point in the game, you you're expecting you know catastrophe in one way or another. Whether it's you know somebody slipping or somebody not marking their man properly or yeah whatever it is, you know uh, a howler by the keeper, it's you could you could feel it coming. And listen, hats off to to Bologna. They've been a tough tough squad for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, and, one thing that's been driving me crazy is I, you look at the recent matches that we've had. Really, in the last five games, we've only scored one goal in four out of four out of the five. Mm-hmm. The, the the game we scored three was against Udinese. Fine, we didn't score against Sampdoria. That's Stankovic, right? We did. We lose to Empoli. That's Zanetti, and now we've lost to to Thiago Mota, and then. <coughs> It, it just seems that with this with with Inzaghi, when, when he plays managers who have strong defensive something qualities, to prove. oh yeah, yeah. And, and and then they also have yeah something like a, almost a chip on their shoulder, yeah, that he he's unable to rise to the occasion himself. While these guys are able to get their squads to believe in them to the, to buy into his plan, and, and perform. Um, you know, Sampdoria, although they're not great in the standings, since Stankovic has taken over, it's a different squad. It really is. And Just in terms somebody, of the way that they they play teams, it's much yeah, much harder. Absolutely. And he was somebody, I mean, I know I was getting a lot of slack for this too, and maybe it was a little short-sighted for me, but w- with the way we started this season where we, you know, we were winning two and losing one, like for I believe the first eight games we started like eight and four or something, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm sorry, 12 games we started, like 8-4. and four. Um, I wanted Stankovic to be the guy. Once he stepped down at Red Star Belgrade, I was like, you know what, this should be the guy. We should bring an Interista in. Even if he doesn't, we don't have the players to fit his system, I was kind of dead set on it, which yeah, is probably foolish on my part and very um, in the moment being upset with Inzaghi and the performances we were having. So yeah, 
it is what it is there. But you see the way these guys are performing and what they're doing with limited budgets, little quality players at their disposal, and they're still able to inspire performances that are fantastic. I mean, you look at, you know, Shoten, the way he played today, great performance. Great I mean, player. Great in the midfield. He was... I feel like he was very in influential for them. Dominguez was, was pretty good off the ball. I felt like his passing was quick. He was interchanging with the forwards. I, I really liked the way he played, and I never really focus on Dominguez when I have watched Bologna, but, but ha you know, I was impressed with what I saw. Musa Barro, who, <clears throat> I mean, I think has been a flop since he left Atalanta, but today he looked pretty good. And had it not been for, in a, <laughs> you know, a very fortunate for us offsides, they're up one nothing early. <clears throat> Excuse me, so... I mean, hats off to all these managers who are, who are really getting these young players to, to perform well in key moments against, well, uh, apparently it seems like it's only against Inter because when they go up against anybody else, it's, they seem to, to not rise to the occasion. But, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it, it's a frustrating thing to see. And then I expect so much more from Inzaghi because you've seen things in, his, in the way that he, he does prepare for the big moments that the team does does rise to those occasions so why can't we do it on a week in and week out basis that's been my most frustrating thing and, and why I feel yeah. like he will never win a league title no, at least not with Inter um, yeah um, yeah and I think that that's that's what the bulk of our conversation for the rest of the pod is really going to be focused on you know just to touch on how the rest of that match finished after Rossellini scored there was not much to really discuss um, the only other change was Carboni on for uh, Brozovic, which you know is is pretty much the only the only thing that he could have done in that moment was throw on the only forward player that he had at his at his uh, um, you know uh, availability. Uh, so Carboni comes on for Brozovic. There's nothing to even discuss in terms of chances or the way that we played. Uh, it you know finished out <laughs> very tame. Um, after that goal was scored, we were we were losing that that match. Um, there was nothing, um, nothing that was being done or or shown by the players on the field that we were making a comeback. So, coming out of this game, um, the the question that I saw really posed on Twitter is, you know, no matter how you feel about Inzaghi, how he's performed um, this year, you know, overall in his tenure. Um, this is the kind of performance that can get a manager fired. Not right now. Um, you know, at the end of the season, even if we finish top four, this is the sort of thing that you look back on and, and question. Um, and it's it's a tough discussion with Inzaghi, in, in my opinion. I, I, you know, you may have your, you know, set in your minds that he's not the right manager. I'm still on the fence Um just because of the way that we have played the big teams. Um, is it possible to figure this out? Do we blow up everything that he's built here so far? Um, is there another manager of you know quality that will come in and and deal with the situation that we're in as an organization? Um, you know, financially being hamstrung and not being able to to really, the next manager comes in to build out the team that they want because we don't have the resources to be able to go get any of those players. Uh, you know, it, it's for me, it's, is there another manager that um, is better 
than Inzaghi that can come in and is willing to take on a job where he won't have resources to be able to build his team? Um, is it uh, a matter of, you know, give Inzaghi time to just figure out the the drop in mentality against smaller sides? Um, you have to credit Simone for what he's been through during his tenure here. I mean, he came in in a situation where the club was selling all their stars. Um, he hasn't been able to really, you know, make his his mark outside of the the signing of Correa and Acerbi, which one hit, one, one massively did not hit. Um, but he's, you know, he's been through a lot with this club and, and to date, We've won we've won trophies. Um, the Scudetto performance Scudetto performance leaves a lot to be desired, but I just don't know. Um, this is the first time where I'm really feeling like I'm questioning if if we we are we should be moving forward with Inzaghi next year. Yeah, I've been questioning it myself. Um, you know, last season I was I was ready to to get rid of him for not winning the title. I didn't just blame it on on the the Radu game, you know, there was a game against Genoa where you finished nil-nil, which was probably the worst performance I've ever seen Inter in my life. And then <clears throat> there was also the, uh, you know, I mean, the, the draw with Atalanta where you have, you know, Di Marco missing a penalty, Lautaro missing a penalty against in the Derby. I don't know who the right person would be to bring in. If you want to keep the same formation, I would consider Ivan Juric. You know, I'm a big fan of him. I think that he yeah. really, he also is very good at developing young players. And we saw the work he did with Di Marco at Parma, what he was able to do with, I'm sorry, Hellas Verona, uh, what he was able to do with them, him there. And he, you know, we know he's a fan of his. You know, he wanted to bring him back on loan at Verona, but we decided to keep him, thank goodness. Um, and then, you know, when you when you think about other managers outside of, of the league that may be good if you want to change. I, I do think that we're reaching a point where it's maybe time to, sh to shift from the back three and maybe go back to a back four. And when you look at that, you know, for me, the only two names that I can think of, one's Diego Simeone, who is not going to be st uh, staying with Atletico Madrid. And the other is is the manager from Porto, you know, Consensao, who Consensao, I've, yeah. I've been a big fan. I, I want these managers who... They've just got balls, man, to put it to yeah. put it lightly. You know, like they just they they do something to to you know, their players want to run through a wall for them. And yeah. I feel like that their personalities would go well at, at the San Siro. They won't tolerate, you know, no no rumors from, from the media and they'll you know, they'll put a stop to that. I feel like Inzaghi, although I do think he is good, he has a lot of good things to him, and I think that if he were to go to a, a, another squad, maybe in England, where he has you know unlimited budget and and he's able to to buy players that that fit his his style, yeah. I think he can do great things there. So, but it, and I think that his style actually fits better in England than it does does in Italy, though. And hats off to him for dealing with the adversity and, like you said, you know having players sold not having good quality reinforcements brought into him to be able to be successful. Um, but I think it's, you know, I mean, listen, if, they if he stays, I'm not going to be upset about it because, you know, that, that, that's great. I mean, maybe you do have something and you've kind of convinced them maybe that there is a plan moving forward. But if there is a change that has to be brought in, I, I would love, you know, Constant Sauer or, or Simeone personally to come in. And even though it's not the prettiest brand of football, it is very tough to watch i mean there's times where i've seen you know madrid play or atletico at least play that it's 
I mean, it's disgusting, but he's able to yeah. get you a one nil win. And if we want titles, we need a manager who is able to listen. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be pretty. I want three points at the end of the day. I yeah. want to be able to to get that second star. That's been my biggest thing since you know Conte won the nineteenth title. Is I want that second star in the kit. I want to to be able to have twenty and beating Milan to twenty is is imperative to me. Imperative, Thank goodness they're yeah. not playing well um, this season, and and Napoli's going to run away with with their title. But uh, we need to to get it before Milan, and I think that'll be you know massive for us moving forward. It, I think the you make a, a great point with Juric and the development of the younger players. If we're to sort of play this out a little bit further in advance, I think there's a very good chance that Inzaghi is still our manager, but in the case that they move off of him, a lot of things are at play here. The first is if a sale does not go through and Zhang is still you know our owner for next season, you have to imagine that there is... Uh, an imperative to not bring in a manager with a super strong personality that's going to go after the you know societa in the uh, in the press. Um, not going to be demanding players. Just you know he does, is not an owner that I feel like he's going to want to bring on any more heat on himself than there already is. Um, we saw how the Conte relationship fell apart when you have a really strong personality at the helm um, and you have owners who are struggling to uh, invest in the club. So the other, I guess, um, potential indicator that you can see is in a conversation today, Marotta specifically said he commented on the demands from players these days, uh, the um, uh fractious relationship that they have with agents uh and other clubs just in terms of the demands that are be making he's he mentioned uh you know people being unrealistic with their expectations you know the the game has changed yada yada um and then he you know he finished off by saying you know it's 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 important for the scouting network to be um be able to to find the right players that to me tells says that there might be a shift uh, in terms of the way we do business, where they may be looking at developing the youth and letting the youth play. I don't know that it's ever going to be our youth, um, maybe bringing in young players uh, to be able to perform. But if that's the case, then, you know, a Simeone or a Conceição who want to win right away, uh, maybe maybe not the guys, but Juric is a, you know, I love that idea. Um, there's not going to be too much turnover in terms of the the style that we play. Uh, and he has experience with with younger players. Um, you know, ultimately, if we do move off Inzaghi, I think that that is the that is the profile that um, the uh, the organization would be looking to bring in. Yeah, exactly. And I and I think that he would be a, you know a good guy, like you said, to to develop the youth. You know, there's there's a lot of young talent out there, and I feel like giving the the financial you know, restraints that we have with the club, we're not going to ever be able to compete with the likes of a, of a Man City or a PSG or any really team in the EPL, if we're, if we're being quite honest. So we need to look at changing the model and changing the style within this club. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Borussia Dortmund style, which is scout yep. young, buy young, sell at a profit, and then reinvest in the squad. Uh, I mean, I'm big on the South American talents. There's a lot of young players over there who could be fantastic footballers. You know, we, we've missed on a few of them, and we've scouted them 
but we just don't have the money. I mean, and like, yeah. you know, we saw with uh, the Sempre Inter interview with, with, with Bergomi, Bergomi, you know, we were looking at, at, at Kim Min Jae. We were looking at, at, at Quadratrelia. And, you know, if they would have sold Skriniar, Kim Min Jae probably would have been a target, he says. Yeah. Wow, that's great. But I would have much rather have had the 25, 30 million. I believe it was 25 million that they spent to spend right away and bring him in and then also maybe, you know, have him available to us now. Um, and that's another, you know, you look at even Napoli. Napoli does fantastic scouting. They are able to get their, those players across the finish line. You know, there's, you know, there's young player. I mean, I, I wanted Benjamin Sesko last year, who was a young Slovenian yeah. forward. And, and now he ends player. up at, at, at Salzburg. And now Roma are looking at him. And he's probably, you know, I mean. I, I he's mean, an EPL target, too. There's there's so many young players that we could add. You know, like the, the Enzo Fernandez thing, the way that fell through for us. I mean, can you imagine for a club that is struggling for money to be able to get a player, and then six months after signing him, Chelsea comes in with a hundred and twenty million dollar offer? Yeah, we we we'd, we'd be ecstatic at that, honestly. And it, especially Alcaraz if it would is another us. player. Alcaraz was a guy I wanted. Julian so Alvarez more than, is a player that I, you yeah. know. And now, you know, I mean, you see me talking about Gino Infantino. I know it's going to yeah. drive Nima crazy, but I mean, he's another midfielder. He's a left-footed midfielder. Tall. He has a fantastic shot from the outside of the box. He's able to move quickly. He passes great. Very good technical ability. I mean, we need to, to invest in, in, in youth, and I feel like that's the way moving forward. As much as we like being able to get, you know, ready-made players, I mean, and you have to have a balance. I, you know, there, there should of be a, a way to get players who are 25, 26, who maybe have experience in other leagues or experience in Serie A. But then you also have to look at the youth and, and, and be able to develop it. And I think if they decide to not move forward with Inzaghi or if Inzaghi himself decides this isn't the, the headache that I want to deal with anymore yeah. and Juric comes in, I think you know that's, that, that's the route to go. And, and I feel like it could be beneficial for the long-term success. Like, that's the thing. I didn't want to just win one Scudetto. I wanted to win multiple Scudetto. Yeah, I, and it know, felt I, like I, we, were, I, we were there. It really did. It felt like we had the team in place to continue to be successful. And it's crazy that you lose two key, you know, cogs in the wheel in, in Hakimi and Lukaku, and it just all goes down the drain. I mean, I hope whether it's we find someone to buy the club or sooning default on the loan and then, you know, yeah, Oak Tree just looks at it and, and they just want their money back and maybe a little bit of a profit. They'll sell to yeah. whoever's willing to come in and, and, and buy it. At, you know, whether it's seven, eight hundred million instead of a the good owner million. getting a good club at a, at a discount. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's going to solve all our problems. Of course, there is an, uh, you know, a large amount of debt there. But if, if, if an owner looks at the, the potential, you know, I mean, Inter are a big brand, whether other clubs in other countries really want to admit that we are one of the most successful yeah. teams in Italy and Europe. Um, yeah. It could be definitely be worth someone's investment to, to buy this and help. You know, I love what the Friedkins are doing with Roma. Rocco Comiso, whether you like him or not, he's trying to improve things, not just for Fiorentina, but for the league as yeah. a whole. And I feel Brooklyn like if guy. we can get some Americans, more Americans interested in Serie A, investments will go up, TV deals will improve. You know, yeah. we won't have to deal with the, the debacle that is Paramount Plus and, and maybe yeah. get, uh, you know, some new stadiums built in, 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 in like, and, and that'll be huge for, for the sustainability of the league. And I think that that's, that's something that we need to, to really be considering and hopefully, you know, our next, our next ownership group. Yeah. Um, you know, anytime that you're, you're discussing what the future of your club is. You know that you just came off of a pretty rough, pretty rough game. Um, 
but it's it's the reality of the situation is that these are conversations that that need to be had um and you know it's it's a tough situation to be in as a fan to not really know what the direction of your club is going to be especially because of a situation where it's just like financially what is the viability of this of this project um you know and it, and it does seem that we are in a position where the only way moving forward is free tra- to build the squad at least is free transfers and investing in youth um which you can field a, a, a capable squad with that strategy but like you said when you're talking about long-term success it's like you know there, there's a different way to building clubs which is you know bringing in star players but also bringing in players that can be at the club for five six years and really create a core that you're not worried about having to sell them every summer and that's a position where i, I don't know how close we are to being um being able to to say that that's what our club is about so tough day um obviously tough situation moving forward but we uh we persist because this is the club that um we've decided to to fret over uh week in and week out um all right so to wrap up let's do our our man of the match uh on the inter side um, I don't know that anyone gets a rating above like a six and a half, but for me, uh, the best player on our end was, uh, was Gosens. Um, and I'll toss out my Bidona as well. Uh, Dumfries was a zero, uh, Dumfries and Mikitarian, I guess would, would tie that for me. Um, absolute zeros today. Yeah, I guess my man of the match, um, I'd have to give it to, uh, Onana again. I feel like he made some some big saves for us. You know, I mean, nothing he can really do on the goal. I can't really fault him for that. I wouldn't give him higher than like yeah, like a six, six and a half maybe. Um, but still, like I mean, given the performance, there really wasn't much good to look at. And I feel like he was the, the maybe the light, the slightest, um, you know, shining moment for for the club. And and I'll agree with you on on Bidone. It's it's got to be Dumfries. The guy is. I'm so tired of him. Uh, I yeah. can't. I, I I can go on for another hour just talking about how badly I want this guy out of my club. So, I I hope whoever you know the announcer was got into somebody's ear uh, in England and an offer comes in. I, at this point, I don't even care if it's fifteen, twenty million. To be honest, I, I want him yeah, gone. Yeah, make anything off of that. Like, yeah, anything, any anything over the twelve that we put into him, I'm I'm happy with at this point. So. Yeah some sort of profit yeah um all right guys we have a week uh until leche which is nice that we have some um some time before our next game get everybody uh rested especially with the injuries to screenyar and uh and dimarco um i'm sure that this week uh given today's performance will be filled with uh many an interesting article um, about Inter's future, there will probably be some doom and gloom. So, with that said, we will be coming to you with um, a special episode um, at some point this week. Uh, you know, whether we'll, we'll figure out exactly what we want to dive into, but you'll get a, a special episode at some point. Um, and then, of course, the Lecce uh, post game. So, you will be hearing from us soon. Thanks for sticking around for our therapy session. And as always, in the words of the great Roberto Scarpini, Forza ragazzi, forza ragazzi, forza ragazzi.